Hello everyone, I'm Mark Reddy. Welcome to Ricardo and Reddy, the podcast version of our live Facebook show, focusing on inspiring stories during these extended lockdowns. It's no secret most of us have had our mental health tested during the pandemic. Many of us are seeking help more than ever. Those suffering from eating disorders are banding together and creating communities to support each other. Mia Finlay is a survivor, and now it's her job to help others on their journey to recovery. Ricardo Gonzalez and I spoke to her. You turned a weakness into a strength. What did you do? So I developed an eating disorder at 19. I battled anorexia for six years um, and went into recovery at 25. So it's actually, what's the date today? So in nine days, it's my eight-year recovery anniversary. Um, and I started to document my experience accidentally on YouTube. I was making video diaries for myself, lost, well, ran out of room on my iPad to house them, put them on YouTube. People started finding them, uh, turned into a bit of a community. Um, and now there's about 60,000 people over there. Uh, and it sort of turned into advocacy, uh, sort of, you know, funding for eating disorders has been terrible for a long time. Access to treatment has been terrible. Uh, and then and about three and a half years ago, I was accredited as an eating disorder recovery coach. So I'm now working directly with clients to also help them recover. So sort of a full circle, very happy accident, big accident, but a good one. Mia, what does having an eating disorder actually mean? So it's so varied. Most people would probably recognize anorexia as the eating disorder most of us have heard about. It's actually the most rare eating disorder. Only three to four percent of sufferers are dealing with anorexia. Uh, The most common eating disorder is binge eating disorder. So it really isn't quite the stereotype we all imagine, kind of the emaciated individual. Um, It's about 47 percent of people suffering from binge eating disorder. So it's a mental illness. Uh, It's really at its core a dysfunctional set of coping mechanisms. Many people think about it as just being about food and just being about the body. That's actually sort of the expression of a whole lot of hell and chaos going on up here. So it's about not only restoring and uh, healing the relationship with body and food, but the long game is up here. It can take up to a decade for people to fully recover because it's mostly about what's happening up in the brain. Mia, you mentioned that you started um, documenting your progress online to try and, I guess, look back and see um, how well you'd done and and what you'd been doing. Did you ever expect yourself to get a following of about 60,000 people on YouTube? I mean, that is remarkable. Tell us about that. I am the least likely person to have any kind of presence on the internet. I am not geared for that at all. Um, I'm pretty private. I speak very openly about my mental health because it's part of what I do. It's part of my job. I'm also the ambassador for the Butterfly Foundation. So that's uh, Australia's leading eating disorder body, wonderful outlet. Um, But yeah, I'm not someone who really has an interest in uh, that sort of area, but it does. uh, It's so wonderful to connect to people in that way uh, and to be able to be creative as well. There's so much creativity in what I do with video editing and the content I'm making for Instagram. I love to write. There's so much of that uh, uh, skill that goes into what I do. Um, but no, I had no no plans. It was a complete accident, total accident, and still crazy to me that it continues to grow. 
And the accident was sparked by a very, very interesting story where Mia was actually working in finance of all things. And Ricardo, you love finance and the AXX and all those markets and the red and the black. And, um, and you started in finance after doing journalism with me at uni. You actually left journalism. Well, would we say I did journalism? Would we say I Look, actually did journalism? I think I can count on one hand how many classes I actually showed up to. Yeah, but but also you were battling something that I didn't even know about it because, as you say, you weren't someone who looked like they had an eating disorder, which we'll get to, but I also I want you to explain that, what that means. But then I also want you to explain that um, you actually got walked from your employment. Yes. Quite soon after you were promoted as an ambassador for the Butterfly Foundation. So tell us about those two things. You love this story. So that wasn't when I worked in finance. So, yes, I left uni after a year. And by uni, I mean... I left Unibar, like I was a big proponent, big supporter of Unibar. I was funding the place with tequila sunrises Um, and uh, left because my mental health just declined enormously, had a huge like life crisis at 19, all my friends moving on and still, you know, studying and, and, you know, pursuing their dreams. And my life had just hit a massive wall at 19 And so I went into finance and uh, sort of worked my way up in that world, working for places like KKR, Credit Suisse, actually really enjoyed it. I'm not a numbers person at all. That part of my business is lacking (laughs) now that I run my own business. Um, But then I actually went to work more in the creative sector. I won't say where I worked, um, but I worked for a fairly well-known person in the arts. And uh, at the same time, my... uh, my profile was kind of growing in the sense that I'd linked up with Butterfly and, you know, there was more stuff happening in the media. And as this started happening, even though my performance hadn't changed, suddenly I wasn't quite as <laughs> quite as well-liked by my boss. Um, and I'm someone who, look, I'm a pretty black and white thinker in terms of like right, wrong, good, bad. Um well, more so right, wrong. And he totally made something up that I hadn't supposedly done that was a really important task that I had to do. And so I called him a liar because that was the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And I got walked out of my job. It was the first time I ever got fired, like the classic walking out with the box with like the plant hanging out the side, like all my (laughs) like being escorted off the property. Um, I've always had a greater sense of justice than I have like a desire for a paycheck. Uh, I remember in high school, my principal literally wrote like, Mia probably needs to rein in her sense of like right and wrong. It gets her in trouble more than it probably should. I literally wrote an 18 page to the HSC board in my extension history exam about how flawed I thought the HSC system was. And they almost took my HSC away. Anyway, that's a different story. So I got walked from this job. And I literally like went, got in my car, went down to my mum's house and, you know, Mark, you know that I've been talking for so long about starting my business and all this stuff was sort of starting like forever. And I'm a pretty cautious person. Like I've, and, and to be fair, my mum is too. And she was like, Amelia, just go and do it. You just have to go and do it. Like, this is your sign. Um, 
And I got walked in the sense that they, I basically told them I wanted to leave, but I knew that if they fired me, then they'd pay me my two weeks and then they'd make me leave. And then I could start up my business with the two weeks of pay under my belt. So that's what I did. Um, within a month, I had about 15 clients. And then within a year, I had about a hundred people on a wait list. So it's like, you know, one of those scary moments was the launching pad for where I was meant to be and going where I'm meant to be going. So Mia, you're now helping those um, going through eating disorders to come out through the other side. COVID, mm. lockdown, how has that changed things or put a, a spotlight on it? So we know globally very quickly we had a serious increase in not only people presenting for treatment but people who were experiencing eating disorders for the first time in their lives, in like of all age brackets, all backgrounds, people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s who'd never had even a whisper of an eating disorder suddenly, you know, presenting with symptoms. Um, and so that's obviously not great news that, you know, when we have people who are isolated and anxious, they're going to be turning to these, you know, destructive coping mechanisms. However, there has been a really concerted uh, effort in from all kinds of areas, government, um, the media particularly, uh, and, you know, different people coming out in support of, you know, talking about this and getting greater access to care and more treatment and more funding towards eating disorders like we've never seen before. This was the mental illness with the highest mortality rate and the lowest funding for the longest time. It was the stat I used to tell people and they would just draw on the floor. So to see people really taking an interest and in wanting to learn as opposed to just you know telling you what they think an eating disorder is um, has been pretty extraordinary. And I just want to say is also Mia and I have a special connection as well because um, a very good friend of mine passed away from an eating disorder when I was at school, Alana Goldsmith, and she's the very reason the Butterfly Foundation exists today. And Judy Goldsmith might be watching tonight. And um, Mia got involved and so there's this weird degree of separation. And as you can see right now, this is Mia talking as a Butterfly Foundation ambassador and telling her story and it's very emotional very um raw and she really does you know you don't put the media persona out there you talk about how it is mia um one one thing that's come out of the pandemic i think um that all of us can realize is that mental health is something that is really becoming strong the other day at work someone told me i'm accessing the employee assistance program you should mm. do it too because i was mm. struggling and but what I want to ask you is there's been a real breakthrough in the pandemic with eating disorders in terms of treatment and new centre. Tell us about that. Sure. First and foremost, I just want to say sort of to the point we were talking about before that campaign you just showed, this week it was released that we raised $300,000 from that campaign alone, which is just testament to the fact that people are really plugged in and really, you know, caring about this topic, which is amazing. Um, so, yes, I was up in uh, the Gold Coast what feels like 6,000 years ago but was actually only just like back in, God, when was it? June, I think, because um, I was invited to attend the opening of Wandinerida, which is Australia's first residential eating disorder facility. We've only had hospital settings for people 
with eating disorders. Uh, but hospital settings do not work for eating disorders because they are not just physical illnesses. We need a much more long-term model of care um, and an integrative model of care. So residential means that you're in more of a home environment and it's a beautiful, beautiful property um, uh, with horses on the property, equine therapy. It's a really holistic approach, which is based on the Carolyn Coston Montanito model, who trained me as a coach um, and has proved to be really effective. The amount of Aussies who have gone over to be uh, treated at Carolyn's residential facilities is extraordinary and it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. So to now have this available here and it's going to be studied as far as its effectiveness, which will hopefully mean opening up a ton more of them in Australia. And can you also explain who Carolyn Coston is? Because for people sure. who don't watch that, they might know, not know who she is. Yeah. So Carolyn, uh, she's a she's a giant in this field. She's an expert, but she also has lived experience. So she suffered from an eating disorder um, went in sort of her college years and then went off to train to be a therapist. And this is before we had any kind of language for eating disorders. They used to call it the slimmer's disease. Yes. And um, she, lives I, she lives in LA to be clear. She lives in Malibu. Yeah. Um, and she, uh, she fully recovered from her eating disorder and then she opened up a bunch of hospital programs and then she realized residential care was the most effective model of treatment. Uh, and now she's training therapists and, and coaches. So she's, she's unbelievable. She's an amazing person. Yeah. And Mia, can I also ask, so obviously Carolyn Coston was probably a pioneer in this space in terms of an eating disorder recovery program which is very separate to hospitalisation. Yep. Um, you are in Australia. This doesn't exist, does it? This is something that you are introducing into Australia with the backing of someone very powerful in the United States. And that is something... Do you mean, do you mean coaching? In terms of eating disorder recovery coaching. Yes. So coaching has been around in other areas of treatment for different, like... like um, You've probably heard of like sober coaches for people who are going through addiction recovery, whether it's alcohol or drug addiction. So the model of care has been around for a long time in other um, areas, but this is it's only been around for eating disorders for the last couple of years. Um, and I was part of sort of the first wave of coaches um, and it's making the it's it's a it's a huge gap in treatment. So what I do, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a dietitian. I'm there to be with clients in the day-to-day -day stuff that they've got to do. So if they're trying to eat breakfast, if that's a goal we're working on, they're reaching out to me to let me know where they're struggling and, you know, to give them some prompts and some encouragement in terms of their thinking, how they're talking to themselves. I'm giving them the skills and the framework to transition their thinking over to a more productive, healthy way of thinking. We go clothes shopping together. We go to cafes together. We cook together. So it's helping people integrate back into life because these things take a long time to get better from. And it's about helping people live in the world, uh, and live in a way that's just not destructive um, and to, yeah, get to a place where they're totally healed, which is possible. And Mia, I know it's obviously a complex and uh, a long-term uh, thing that someone has to go with, but in wrapping up, if someone's watching right now or if someone comes to you to say, hey, I think I've got a problem, what's your first piece and most important piece of advice you would give? Reach, reach out, absolutely reach out, whether or not your first port of call is reaching out to the Butterfly Foundation just to have an initial chat. They also introduced a chat feature on their 
uh, website, which might make it less confronting first conversation to have. But just go and get some information and have someone to uh, bounce maybe some of your thinking off, some of your concerns off. Go to your local GP, uh, seek out a psychologist if you can, uh, but get plugged into healthy communities where you don't feel alone. I thought I was completely alone. I didn't realise there were over a million Aussies suffering and just knowing that there are other people who understand this. It's like an unspoken language we have. Eating disorders are very hard to understand unless you've been there. Um, there is community out there for you. You're definitely not alone in this. Mia Finlay, thank you so much for your insight. We had some wonderful comments as well. I hope you actually get a chance to look back at the commentary too. Um, it was it was truly inspiring. Thank you. I'll go and check them out. Thank, thank you, you, guys. I love what you're doing. You take care of yourselves. Thank love you. you See you, Mia. Bye, guys.